0: If Adventure has a game, it must be Indiana Jones!
1: The hottest film of 1984 is now the hottest adventure game of 1984. Now you can be part of the action too. Search lost runes for fabulous treasures, recover stolen artifacts from foul Nazis, or race through the jungle to escape hostile natives. You make the choices. Can Indiana Jones survive? It's up to you. The Adventures of Indiana Jones role-playing game features stand-up figures, a rule booklet, adventure clues, special maps, referee screens, everything you need to Enjoy your own
0: adventure. Available now at all fine toy, hobby, and bookstores from TSR Inc., the producers of the world-famous Dungeons & Dragons fantasy role-playing game.
1: TSR Inc.
0: Unleash the power of your imagination.
1: Welcome, dear listeners, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most
0: underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer,
1: analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. I'm Jeff. And I am Rick. Random banter on
0: my mark. Three, two, one, mark. Random banter engaged.
1: And after that fantastic introduction. I was hoping I could talk to you a little bit about a very awesome book I just read called The Cardboard Kingdom by Chad Sell. This is a pretty cool graphic novel came out for young adults and it just came out this last week, but this uh deals with kids using their imagination with the help of cardboard. It deals with diversity, inclusion, friendship. Fantastic book. It's got like about 10 or 12 different authors that all contributed to it. It's just really fun, really engaging and I I, I cannot stop Stop talking about it i cannot keep recommending it once again that's the cardboard kingdom by chad Sell. it's wonderful it's fabulous and the authors are all amazing people i've kind of been talking to all of them on twitter so it's kind of cool oh
0: that's really cool yeah that's really cool i'm, act- I'm looking forward to uh reading it myself i've got it uh on hold at my local library and uh <laughs> waiting for them to bring it in so that way i can check it out too uh i have been uh reading stump town by Greg Rucka. Ooh. Stumptown is about a private detective in Portland and it's done by Oni publishing only presses. Yeah. Uh, so it, it is totally local. The, uh, the artist is local. The writer is local. They do a lot of the set pieces of places in town. So it's kind of like, Oh, she's on a stakeout. And I know that she's at the hotel opposite the alibi, just by the way that it looks. Cool. There was a one that I was reading. She was in a car chase and I'm like, yeah, her base of operations, her, her, uh, private detective agency is based out of the uh, railroad station in downtown portland nice. and it's kind of like okay and she gets in her car with another person and boom she's on a car you know car chase kind of thing and i'm like she's going down highway 30 and yeah okay in this next page they show a sign that says like the st jaws bridge is coming up so it's just all these things where you're like i don't have anything telling me where it's at but i can tell where it's at and it's really pretty cool
1: because i know portland yeah well yeah, i <coughs> yeah. sort of
0: know portland i know portland enough to go i recognize this landmark that they're showing kind of thing
1: if nothing else you've been by there once or twice doing some geocaching yeah
0: exactly but it's <laughs> <laughs> a really really good book it's a uh, fast read uh characters are interesting cases are neat
1: i need to check that out so stump town by greg Rocca. Mm-hmm. nice 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 so that is our book recommendation for today because apparently that's a new feature um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah on occasion <laughs> on that note jeff can you please give us the two-sentence replay of the last episode?
0: Jack puts on some pants, and Alex discovers the propulsive power of ozone depletion before the whole pack of powers go to their first day of school in the big city. Afterwards, the girls take the accidental arsonist, Dragon Man, out of his flame-engulfed hidey hole in their basement, just in time for everyone involved in this story, including Cloak and Dagger, to be captured by the gang leader, D'Angelo, in this cliffhanger! now that the two sentence replay is over why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is
1: my pleasure my friend I decided to go nice and simple this time okay with a barley wine all right
0: <laughs> barley wine simple yes. barley wine what is oh yeah monsters is this uh yes this, this issues is title. title
1: so I would like to give you mega monster. <laughs>
0: Hold on, let me look at the bottle on this. <laughs> okay, that's cool. It's Gilgamesh Brewing. Oh, it's got Oh, it's got this uh uh Minotaur on the front, and he's looking jacked as all get out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Mega Monster, India barley wine. Like the bull of heaven, this beast may only be conquered through strength, valor, and perhaps the assistance of a friend. Mega Monster can guide your transcendence through space and time with its high gravity and infinite robust bitterness.
1: Hey, and it's made by a uh, maiden Salem. Yeah,
0: Salem, Oregon. That's
1: cool. It's local. Most of the ones we get are local. It's just the way that this works most of the time. Okay. Well, we let's... have a, luckily, Pacific Northwest, oh, Portland yeah. in this area. We have a pretty intense microbrewery and, uh, yeah, if and you craft like, brewery.
0: Yeah, if you like beer coffee or books uh this is really the area for you
1: yes it it's, is it's nice so of course the reason i got this is because of mega monster i mean mm-hmm. as we saw last issue professor gilbert created a whole new batch of monsters so mega, mega monster. monsters yeah uh, there is no subtlety here you <laughs> ask for monsters i bring you monsters uh so we have our here an indian barley wine that is brewed with only hop pollen hmm and is eleven percent alcohol by volume. Oh,
0: hello there. Oh, that's got a good color to it. That's uh, it's cloudy, light brown. That looks really kind of neat. All right, so cheers. Okay, so salute. Oh, that's that has a bite. That has yeah, that is a monster. Yeah, <laughs> that has teeth.
1: <laughs> that does have teeth. This is
0: a burly little wow. wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, it that has just a, sticks around. It has a. I guess what's the best way of saying it? It's a it's a sharp tang that kind of is in Whoa. the top of your the top of your palate all the way through the front of your tongue almost. Yeah,
0: it's kind of it kind of uh, reminds me of like a brown for the flavor,
1: and then I figured out the color yes. of it. It's kind of it's very like hazelnutty. It definitely has a, it definitely has a brown nutty flavor at the mm-hmm. back end. You can taste the hops. Yeah, but that, at the same time, oh. it is not it's not that metal hop taste.
0: No, it it also kind of goes through like a coffee thing it's like it hits that initial kind of like whoa and then it's like oh coffee and then it kind of goes into a tang
1: yes that's huh (laughs) and 11 percent. hello hey this neighbor this shall be fun (laughs) (coughs) so now that we have our mega monster beer how about you give us some opening credits if you please power pack
0: issue eight march 1985 monsters Credits, written by Louise Simonson, layouts by Mark Badger, penciled by June Brigman, inked by Bob Wycheck, lettered by Joe Rosen, colored by Glenna Ween, edited by Carl Potts, editor-in-chief Jim Shooter,
1: dramatis personae, Alex Power, a.k.a. G., Oldest Power Sibling at 12 has the ability to increase or decrease the gravity of objects he touches. Julie Power, aka Lightspeed, second oldest Power Sibling at 10, has the ability to fly very fast, leaving a rainbow trail behind her. Jack Power, aka Mass Master, second youngest Power Sibling at 8, has the ability to control his molecular density. Katie Power, aka The Energizer, youngest Power Sibling at 5, has the ability to disintegrate matter, turning it into energy, which she can expel into Powerball. And guest starring Cloak, a teenage man who wears a large blue and black cloak. His body is a portal to a dark dimension. Dagger, a teenage woman who has the ability to throw daggers of light. D'Angelo, a bad dude who sells drugs, the same drugs which triggered Cloak and Dagger's powers. Professor Gilbert, a smart dude who builds giant synthetic monsters for funsies. Dragon Man, a giant synthetic monster that was built for funsies, who looks like a dragon, was made with a mix of robotics and alchemy because, hey, hey, comics are silly and also cockatrice troglite basilisk and griffin mythological monster robots that d'angelo forced professor gilbert to make for
0: him we start with an action scene splash page picking up right from last episode
1: and there is a mess going on. Griffin and Basilisk are flying above the melee, holding Katie and Alex respectively. Katie is hanging like a rag doll, while Griffin is bellowing to the stars,
0: and Alex is being pulled like a Stretch Armstrong doll. Troglodyte is covering an unconscious Jack, who is laying on a sloped sunroof. Cockatrice is hanging in the background, looking like Cyclops because of a strip of paint Alex sprayed across its eyes in the prior issue.
1: Dragon Man is looking on, holding an alert Julie in his giant fist, forced to resist the all-consuming need to pet his new dolly.
0: A small cadre of goons with guns reacting to Cloak and Dagger with D'Angelo smack dab in the center of the page, holding the ultrasonic controller.
1: Cloak and Dagger are action posing at the bad guys, with Dagger actually jumping into the panel. Her foot is hanging outside the frame, breaking up the creative team at the bottom of the page. A guy in a long-sleeved red and white shirt with a matching stocking cap and glasses
0: waving from behind a chimney.
1: Eh, hang, hang on. Wait, I don't see Waldo in this
0: picture. You probably can't see the sailboat either. How long were you standing in that mall?
1: I don't want to talk about it, (laughs) but as the spy-themed superheroes attack, D'Angelo warns them that if they don't stop, he will make the animatronic monsters destroy the young heroes. Dagger immediately deduces the danger and demands Cloak deceases his dark attacks. Now we have some good old-fashioned bad guy monologuing. Like two pages worth. We'll summarize.
0: D'Angelo expounds on his brilliance with an amazing diatribe about building the robots. Well, having them built by Gilbert after stealing his plans and then kidnapping him, so that he can start a drug war with his competitors using his robotic monsters to run them off.
1: You see, with the ultrasonic controller, he has the right button to control the monsters, and with the captured Power Pack children, he has the right button to control Cloak and Dagger. And if they don't get in line, he will push that button quite thoroughly. Well... Power Pack ain't gonna take it! No, they ain't gonna
0: take it. Alex ain't gonna take it anymore. And do you know how they're not gonna take it anymore? By Alex saying,
1: You won't get away with this!
0: Wait, the like 70 pound kid being stretched by
1: a roboticized fantasy creature uses a cliche line? How does that work out? Badly. Katie is being squeezed to death and is unconscious, as is Jack, and Julie gets her cheek pinched by D'Angelo. Dude, personal space! And Dragon Man gets a sonic punishment for growling at the pinch. So badly. So, so badly. I love this panel. It looks like
0: Dragon Man is busting out the opening scream from the immigrant song using Julie as the mic.
1: (laughs) I love the fact that Alex and Julie start throwing around all of their real names. Come on, kids, you spent all that time picking out code names. Use them! Especially now when you are captured and under threat of being ripped to pieces.
0: Well, just hang on, because Professor Gilbert runs out to tell them to stop. This distraction gives Alex the time to come up with a pretty lame plan. Alex degraves and uses the last of the spray paint to domino him and Basilisk into Dragon Man. <laughs> who in turn lets go of Julie, who is barely able to fly and wobbles off into the great wide open for help. And gets re by Basilisk immediately. Oh, and uh, Dagger also gets knocked out by Dragon Man's tail in the process, so...
2: Bye. Whack.
0: Big points, Alex.
1: So now D'Angelo has an incapacitated dagger to go with his collection of out-of-action figures. Cloak has no choice but to do whatever vile verbals the vested villain vehemently vocalizes, and he wants to use Cloak to do some hostile gangland takeovers. So now D'Angelo has his goons lock everyone up. Wait, wait. I got this, man. The drug dealer locks the heroes in an airtight storage place with Mass Master and Lightspeed 2, the Energizer, and G... The Dagger Lady, the Professor and Dragon Man, here in D'Angelo's Vault.
0: <laughs> wow, man. I like that. That's that's great. How long did it take you to come up with that? I will never get that lunch hour back. Dragon Man is instructed to play Babysitter, making sure that the kids don't escape by holding Dagger and squeezing her if they try anything. The prof is feeling sorry for
1: himself, and Jack and Katie are still unconscious. Cloak takes a moment to whisper to Dagger the defining components of their relationship, which is that she is his light, and that without the light to hold back the darkness within him, it would consume them all. And while he fears this darkness more than the fools that believe that he is in their power, he must wait till it's safe to strike to destroy them. And with that, he and all the baddies depart. Okay, Jeff, I need to tell you something. Mm -hmm. You wrote that? Yeah. Is this revenge? I'm not going to say that it is, but that's exactly how it feels like. (laughs)
0: Revenge! Later on, I'm going to yell Con or Kirk or something really, really loudly. As the giant vault door lowers, Alex and Julie take the time to catch each other up on their adventures and lament the fact that they wouldn't be in this mess if they hadn't been keeping secrets from each other.
1: Secrets! It's the title of a different issue. Not this issue. Dagger manages to convince Dragon Man to lower her to Katie, and she uses her light power to heal slash wake up Katie, because, of course, she is the cleric of this party. I love magic comic book science deuce ex machina powers. Yeah, her power set appears to be ballet, light that does stuff except to robots, and keeping her costume on somehow.
0: Dagger's telling the kids that stopping D'Angelo matters to her and Cloak because they now try to stop people like him from making kids into drug addicts or criminals or monsters like themselves. Katie looks up at Dagger
1: and says,
2: You aren't a monster. You're good.
0: Dagger also wakes up Jack. Then she informs all the kids that her and Cloak aren't good. They're filled with revenge and hate.
1: Powers tell her that all that hate is going to burn her up, to which she replies that it keeps her warm.
0: No, they didn't. That was Powers Booth talking to C. Thomas Howell and Red Dawn. Wolverines!
1: He isn't in this issue. Oh. Back to full health points. Julie wonders what time it is and... It's clobbering time! No, no, no. Julie wonders what time it is. Showtime! No! I said Julie wonders what time it is. What time is it? Escaping
0: time. Incarceration, what time is it? Get out time, right now. Jack's a cloud, what time is it? It's Katie's time. Disintegration, what time is it? Still stuck time. Baby,
1: let them out. That's right, Jeff. If you keep using this joke, you have to sing a high school musical parody. How do you feel?
0: I I feel icky and a little spoilery.
1: Now, as I was saying... Julie is worried about the time because she doesn't want their parents coming home and worrying that they are not there. So they start trying to bust out this joint. Jack announces, So, let's escape. No prison can hold the great Mass master. Except this airtight one. Come on, Jack. Didn't you hear my song? Oh, wait. That's right. You were unconscious, because you weren't a cloud.
0: Next up, Destructo Girl. Katie tries to disintegrate the door, but this kicks in the conditional instruction in Dragon Boy, and he attempts to squeeze all the toothpaste out of Dagger. Lucky for her, he left the lid on, otherwise this would be a much darker storyline. And the professor continues to mope this sad sack has been pushed for years and he has decided the best way to fight this is to channel his inner charlie brown his entire family is dead he's been kidnapped other people are controlling his creation and they're making him create more mechanical menaces he tells the kids that unlike
1: them he doesn't have the powers to make them stop julie and alex point out that he did make the robots and he is smart and he could probably figure out a way to block the signal controlling them bing why gosh he never thought of that Luckily, this airtight prison into which they were locked has been fully stocked with robotics lab equipment. Deuce Ex Machina, you're soaking in it. Meanwhile, at the docks, something seedy is about to go down. Because everything seedy goes down to the docks. My apologies to all stevedores. Apparently, at these docks, There's a mess of heroin. Enough to keep New York high for a month. That has been stashed in the tires of the cars being offloaded. New meaning to the brand Goodyear. D'Angelo is directing Cloak to lead his cadre of monsters to collect the good stuff. And back in the good guy's storage shed, during
0: that short monologue and cutaway, the professor was able to finish folding a tinfoil hat that should stop the sinister signals from reaching the computerized creature. Julie flies it up and places it on. uh,
1: Baby's head. While Alex, who was drooling over the science occurring in front of him, gets to flip a switch. Dragon Man flips out, but then quickly settles down as the cranial contraption cancels the controlling cacophony. Now they escape,
0: and it's time for Katie to show off to her new bestie, Dagger.
2: I can disintegrate stuff. Watch! Dagger, are you watching me?
1: After Katie disintegrates a small hole in the door, but before she blasts it open, Jack checks the coast to see if it is clear. Cause teamwork! And then... boom. Now the quintet of crime fighters head out to find Cloak. Now the sextet of freed prisoners head out to find Cloak. I like your line better. Okay. Who is watching the chaos of a plethora of synthesized monsters beat up on generic criminal thugs standing on a pier?
2: Blam, blam, bam.
0: On some levels, you have to think Cloak is conflicted. Sure, he hates D'Angelo and despises the endgame, but mobbed up goons are getting
1: beaten up. (laughs) Excellent! Excellent! The rest of the cast enters the scene, just after D'Angelo has given orders to Cloak to attack to show the criminals that Cloak has joined him. Jack floats up and delivers some pretty good smack talk, then he turns and delivers a jackhammer to the magenta-clad criminal. Hey, D'Angelo, how'd you like to get hit with the 60-pound jackhammer? If yes smell what the jack
0: is cooking! This is truly an action hero moment for the kids. Jack takes out the big bad. Julie catches the controller so that the mechanical mythological menagerie of mayhem can menace no more. The good guys win, and all is right in the world. Huzzah!
1: The only problem is, well, D'Angelo was standing on a roof, right at the edge. And Jack has slammed him off the roof. Thud.
0: Jack and Julie look on in horror at their fallen foe. Alex joins them as they head down to where the body is lying, and Jack is in shock. He thinks he has killed him.
1: In the background, Dagger, Katie, and Gilbert are alighting from the back of Dragon Man. Dagger wants to go help Cloak, but Katie is stopping her, pulling her over to the grisly scene, saying,
2: No, D'Angelo's still alive, you can save him.
1: Dagger is pretty dark. No, she's actually really white. I mean, she's cold-hearted. Well, her costume is pretty revealing, but I don't think you can see the temperature of her heart. Dude, she's bloodthirsty. Doesn't look like a vampire to me. Anyway,
0: Dagger does not want to help D'Angelo. She compares him to a filthy parasite who grows fat on the suffering
1: of others, and that he deserves to die. The kids put up a defense for life. They are not like that. They do not see themselves or Cloak and Dagger as monsters. They are innocent. They believe in the ideal of being a superhero, saving all life. Yeah, except for snarks. Those jerks can suck the vacuum of space. True, true. And as Dagger tries to explain what D'Angelo did to them, how he turned them into a duo of destructive vengeance, she realizes that in letting D'Angelo die, it would truly harm these young adventurers' innocence, the same way that D'Angelo's actions did to them. She uses her light powers
0: to heal D'Angelo, which Cloak witnesses, and he instantly understands the moral insight that Dagger has come to, identifying the fact that they are heroes and role models for the children, and calmly applauds Dagger's choice while dispatching some weapon-wielding criminals.
1: Psst. Wrong. Cloak flips out. Big time. And then he, um claims some ownership over Dagger's light in a very uncomfortable way? No! Stop!
0: That light is mine! How can you use it to sustain such evil?
1: All of you villains, be lost forever in the darkness! Dude, I'm kind of a little freaked out here. I was looking down when you did that, and I kind of got a little chills, so. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, the symbiotic relationship Cloak and Dagger have means that the excess light she produces keeps the darkness from overwhelming him. So yeah, seeing Dagger use that light to heal a mortal enemy without context is not good. At the same time, dude, you do not own her or her light. But Cloak is not in a reasonable state of mind. So he grabs all the bad guys and has his darkness eat them. The Professor takes this opportunity to grab the controller from Julie and start rounding up his mechanical monsters, while Dagger calms down the distraught Cloak. Let's follow the Professor first.
0: Okay. The Professor uses the controller to command his creatures to stop being evil, and it works.
1: The end. Good story, bro. Thanks. Meanwhile, Dagger explains to Cloak that they cannot be like the drug dealers. They have to show mercy, if for no other reason than the fact that the power kids look up to them. It works. And Cloak releases the goons. Cue the 5-0. Ooh wee wee. That is the sign that the heroes need to skedaddle. Cloak informs the professor about the location of the drugs in the tires. The criminals are all unconscious after Cloak takes them on The magical mystery
0: tour. Cloak has waited to take them away. Waited to take them
1: away. Stop it. So taking Dagger's hand, the young vigilantes are taken away. Like Calgon. Okay, that was a deep cut. The cops show up to find Gilbert and his
0: entourage chilling at the scene. One cop quips, as one would when seeing a mess of monsters and a pile of goons, that Disney doesn't have robots as cool as these.
1: There is a political joke here that is kind of low hanging fruit, and I feel it is beneath me to say it. Bummer, because I don't mind taking that fruit.
0: Please do not use
1: this technology in the current Hall of Presidents. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Abe and the original G would take down the orange robot while Barack and Bill chow down on some popcorn. Moving on,
0: the superhero sextet appears on the Powers apartment roof, and Katie starts to pester the dualistic duo about their real names.
1: Jack has something to say about this faux pas.
0: Katie, that's not polite. Just because they know our secret identities doesn't mean we have to know theirs.
1: But Dagger and Cloak both are enchanted by the youngest sibling, and they both whisper their names in her ear.
0: And Jack scores a cheek kiss from the scantily clad teenage girl.
1: Jack and Dagger sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G.
0: Real mature, Rick. Real mature. Besides, Jack has a get-off-me-lady look on his face, so consent was not given.
1: The scene ends with C and D teleporting away and Katie doing a pirouette in
0: front of the others. And she is still dancing in the next scene as the kids are chilling in the boys' room, suffering from the consequences of their adventure, grounded. Man, parents just don't
1: understand. Julie is still convinced that their parents would view them like monsters, like people see Cloak and Dagger. Alex counters that the altered teens are not monsters. They are their friends. And hey...
0: Friday is their friend and that they banished her to space. Maybe they should call her back and then banish her to the bottom of the Hudson. You know, like a good friend would. Lateral move, Alex. Lateral move. Jack just growls at the dancing Katie to hold still, but she happily responds.
2: No, I'm Dagger. I spin around and throw lights and...
1: The kids are called to dinner, and we are happy to report that their grounding does not take away their right to sit on chairs. Yep, we have a full chair count. Hooray! While sitting around the table, their dad tells him that the police rescued Professor Gilbert and that he resigned to take a job at Disneyland as a robot designer. Alex asks if he can get them special passes, but Jim says that everyone is hounding Gilbert for them, and he has become quite the celebrity. The
0: powers remain around the table, sharing in the warmth of the company and the obvious radiant love that this family has
1: for one another. But watching through the window are Cloak and Dagger. Who do not have chairs. (laughs) And this is not a creepy peeping Tom thing. This is more of a, hey, hey. Don't you remember when we used to have this kind of a family life? And chairs. Dagger missing it and wanting to share in it. Cloak dismissing it and saying that they played it being human today, but that wasn't for the likes of them anymore.
0: They disappear just before Maggie closes the curtain on this story arc. Next
1: issue, fish Woo! Ah, uh, <laughs> 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 oh, we are products of our upbringing.
0: Those are great. I love those cartoons. Yeah, here's the problem. I, uh... It was it Costco a year or two ago and they had uh, the collection mm-hmm. like the seasons of Darkwing Duck and I'm like oh man I loved Darkwing Duck when I was in college oh I gotta buy these and I watched the first season and I'm like this is not as good as I remembered my nostalgia has blinded me we got,
1: we got the DuckTales and the Tailspin yeah. I used to love Tailspin oh Tailspin was great DuckTales was amazing Carrie has gone through most of the DuckTales mm-hmm. could not get into Tailspin oh really Yeah, that's too bad what do you think of this three issue story arc it's rough due to the fact... That, okay,
0: I like it because it's Power Pack and we're yeah. a Power Pack thing. So it, it it's good. I have spent much more time reading much worse comics. Yes. Here's here's kind of what it boils down to. It's in the realm of the Power Pack stuff, especially the stuff that we've, we've read, read so, that that we've we've read read so, so far. far. It's not great. It's okay, but it really suffers, in my opinion, from the like the power. The power pack is guest starring in their own issue, yeah. and it's kind of like okay, we need to tie it in the Marvel universe normal, so we'll bring Spider Man in because you know tie, put Spider Man in it, somebody will buy the issue. Yeah. So it kind of suffers from that, and then it really is suffering from the fact that Cloak and Dagger are coming out with their own series, miniseries yes. right now, and so they're trying. You know, they're splash splashing them all over the place and kind of going hey you really like these guys check them out you saw their adventures in Power Pack so you're going to want to pick up their things so right. it's it's very much Power Pack is being pushed to like second tier status in their own in their own yeah, comics Yeah I I
1: can, I can so, go I can go for that I can yeah, go for so that. that there's it's it's more about kind of the storyline that the Cloak and Dagger are bringing in and Power Pack's helping them out Right cuz I get that I get that
0: honestly Power Pack isn't really doing too much in these
1: No no they're 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 kind of playing the morality police with Cloak and Dagger a little bit. And I think that's the big themes that they have. The themes that I really like at the end of this issue Mm -hmm. are that go through most of this issue where they are trying to convince Cloak and Dagger, who view themselves as monsters, that they're not. That they're actually more than that. That they're actually superheroes because they are trying to go the right way. They're trying to do good things. They just feel that because of the hate and vengeance and all that kind of stuff that's in them, that that's going to make them bad. And it takes the kids to say, no, you you got some reason to be angry and stuff. That's fine. But you still want to do good things. You are good guys. You're not monsters.
0: Yeah, uh, a lot of the kids' reasoning on that is, uh, it's like, you can't be monsters. You're, you know, I think Julie says, cloak's too brave. And Katie constantly hammers on the dagger's too pretty.
1: Yeah, I don't think that that's a good... Barometer for being good or bad. <laughs> you can't be a monster. You're pretty. I, if we go to the Jessica Jones uh, TV show, uh-huh. well, uh, David Tennant cannot possibly be evil because he's too pretty. Um, folks, David Tennant is pretty darn evil in that Jessica Jones.
0: <laughs> that first season was yes. great. I love that first season.
1: That's just a quick, you know, example. Yeah. it's like no beauty doesn't determine whether you are good or bad. Right. I think that it's the as we tell my daughter, it's the goodness in your heart you know i think you uh, know actually saying that out loud it sounds kind of silly but telling my seven-year-old yeah. that I, I i will stand by it every day
0: i got three words to tear your argument apart mm. her parents lied <laughs> i don't like you anymore <laughs> carry on
1: be shiny
0: <laughs> uh, you sang shiny last episode
1: i know
0: I, I just it was just like wait a minute this ties directly into a moana joke so
1: ah <laughs> uh, jokes 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 we have our first almost fatality and of course it would have to be jack
0: <laughs> yeah it would be jack or katie because she's kind of a uncontrolled canon
1: yeah that was my other contender for that yeah. um i'm kind of glad it was jack because i think that he's i don't want to say he's got a uh, that that he's the closest to evil or that he's the closest on the edge mm. i want to say that he's got more of a flexible morality okay that's a good way uh, of saying it. He, he's able to kind of take things as they come and move on from them you know i i think that if this ended badly it would still mess him up. Oh, totally. But I think the fact that, you know, he did bad, he saw that he did bad, he didn't mean to, and he recognizes it for what it is... I think that he's. it's easier for him to kind of be a little flexible and say, okay, it was an accident. I recognize it was an accident. I'll be a little more careful next time. Mm-hmm. If it was Katie or Julie, possibly even Alex. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. They, oh. they would They would all be... I mean, any one of them. Any one of them Julie, Julie, of them and, Julie and Alex would definitely be going along the, the path of, oh, my gosh, angst, angst, pre-teenage mm-hmm. angst, and Katie would just be a mess. Oh, totally. No, it, it would
0: wreck any one of them if yes. they did.
1: But Jack... flexibility yeah
0: still he looks just he's all proud you know so he's got that very much just like here i come dropping the hammer things are going great yes i'm a wait thud why is he falling to his death because we're on a roof you know he's just kind of like there were consequences for his actions and he's like i'm gonna take out the bad guy not thinking oh i'm going to just brutalize this bad guy yes yeah, so uh, he looks he, he yeah the 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 images that he has on this these pages are just like just open mouth gasping and then just that kind of like I'm gonna be slack jaw and not blink because I've lost all the color and in my skin because I'm pale and I think I killed somebody I did a bad thing
1: and then when he's on the ground looking at what happened he oh is, yeah he is in shock oh but yeah. like I said I think that he could still recover a little bit better than the other kids if he yeah but if he did i still think he would grow up to be that you know sure. I th- in the i
0: think it, what, it was a uh, episode or two ago where i was you know talking joking about like the elder jack where he's just off and just miserable and just always angry in a bar you know the the adult power pack comic where he's just like separated <coughs> from and just just dark i think that would that would put him on the darkest path you know the uh what was it the darkest timeline from community yeah.
1: I, I would like to i would like them to actually do that i think it would be fun to do that with i
0: kind of really want to see i know that they've rebooted this as like a a super kitty comic (laughs) they've done
1: they've done a couple things in the future things we're going to talk about a little bit more in the future probably when you get closer or just down the line in recent comics they don't really touch on Jack at all. <laughs> I I know in the recent comics we know where Alex is at. And we know some things that julia has been doing, and they came out with a legacy issue of six, uh issue number sixty three of this because there's only sixty two issues in the original run plus a couple of specials. But the sixty three legacy one they came out with focused on a, a high school age Katie. Yeah. So we don't really know what Jack's story is, but
0: yeah, anyways, that's all in the future. I still think it would be interesting to have have a like the mini series of yeah. uh, just kind of like the adult. Power Pack and seeing where they're at.
1: Mar- Marvel Comics, if you're listening, um, can you please really put Power Pack back together and put it out and uh, let us know. We're, we're waiting. Yeah. You've got our number. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs>
0: our podcast will hold a lot of weight for that. <laughs> <laughs> Two guys in a basement had an opinion.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> we have fanboys that have opinions? <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. Stop the presses, everyone! <laughs> yeah. Get Stan on the phone! <laughs>
0: <laughs> we don't need another <laughs> spider-man series power
1: pack to the presses you know you know i i do hope that marvel would call us up and contact us and let us know that hey guys we do have something special for you it's a library card
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <you. laughs> You always wrote me in. You wrote me yeah, you fish me on the you get me on the hook so well. And I'm like, oh
1: okay, yeah, okay, oh yeah, okay, what a, de- ah, library card. Because I want to find what literature is in this comic book. Now, it's not explicitly put anywhere. Nobody's reading this book, but I couldn't help but see some interesting parallels between especially this last storyline and mm-hmm. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Ah, I could see that. Yeah, bear with me here a little bit. Um, so Professor Gilbert is the obvious stand-in for the good doctor. And Dragon Man is, of course, the monster. In this version, he is not searching for his creation, and he does not die. But he is trying to control what he has unleashed, and he also creates other creatures to go after the first one. So, th- there is some interesting parallels that I can see with with it. I know that you know uh, Gilbert and Dragon Man are not necessarily that they crea- are create are characters that were created prior to this comic book, mm-hmm. but. I think it's interesting themes to kind of play with, uh, not only with them, but also within the creation of characters like Cloak and Dagger and the characters uh, of, the mo- of the other monsters that he created mm-hmm. as well. If we look at the ongoing conversations that the, all the characters have about what a monster is, there is a strange argument that D'Angelo is also kind of a stra- uh, stand-in for Dr. Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. He made monsters like Cloak and Dagger. We then have Cloak and Dagger turning on their creator. So it's kind of an interesting parallel that you can almost make with that as well. I think that when we were first talking about this and when I first kind of put it up to you, you had the question of what makes Cloak and Dagger monsters? Because Mm -hmm. we just kind of did an entire thing saying, well, they're not really monsters.
0: Yeah, they just continually refer themselves as monsters. Monsters of light and darkness. Monsters. We're monsters. We're not human anymore. We're monsters.
1: When I say monsters, I don't exactly mean like the under the bed, I'm going to get you kind of a monster. I see them more as a tragic figure monster. Uh, The characters believe that they are monsters... Because of the physical changes that have occurred to them and by some of their actions that they have. Like I said, they tend to consistently talk about the rage and hate mm-hmm. and violence that's inside them. Because of those actions, they see themselves as monsters. But if you look at their motives, that is actually what dictates more about their characters than their actual feelings or impulses or their looks. Mm. I think that there are shades of what the Frankenstein monster that we could assign to them. They're misunderstood and dangerous. They're unwilling subjects. It's not a perfect allegory, but I think it's an interesting thought exercise.
0: No, it works. It uh, works really pretty well, actually. Uh, yeah, this is actually kind of filled with, yeah, like you were saying, a D'Angelo with cloak and dagger that... You know, creator monster Gilbert Dragon Man. Although they don't have an adversary relationship, they're kind of being put in one right now. So yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot of that going on. That's yeah. no, I think that's pretty observant. That's great, Rick.
1: Thank you very much. I I, I appreciate your input on that a lot.
0: Okay, you know. I also have a little input on why I think cloak and dagger are monsters. Oh please. Okay, let's see. Dagger is a attractive, athletic white woman in a bodysuit. So you know, kind of a monster. And I, I think it's really obvious why cloak is a monster. I I. I shudder to ask. Oh, well, he's a teenage male and teenagers are scary, so definitely monsters. No, here's what the problem with them No, him I,
1: is. I I got it. I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, here's here's my thought on why they consider themselves monsters. Sure. It's because they're teenagers and they're it's like yes, some horrible stuff has happened to them and yeah, they have changed and everything. But sorry if there's any teenage listeners. There's a lot of emotional drama going on in your lives that really isn't as all-consuming as you might think that it is. And if you're an older listener, you might be able to think back when you're, you know, in like your high school age or middle school age kind of thing and kind of be like, yeah, you know, I really got worked up about this thing. And now that I'm older and had some life experience, Mm. yeah, I can kind of get over it. So
1: One of the biggest problems with that, I I agree with you, but mm -hmm. one of the big problems with that is that for people in that situation... Whether they're teenagers mm-hmm. or not, the drama that is built up inside them oh. does make them feel that this is the biggest thing in the world.
0: Oh, it totally is. No, it, at the at the time, I mean, heck, even sure. even a you know older, doubly rage triple, like ours, whatever. And it's just kind of like it's like yeah, the stuff that's going on to you right now is all consuming and yeah. it is really powerful, and it does make you feel certain ways.
1: Yeah, and so. it's and it's easy to see. Add to that, all of a sudden, you've got these powers mm-hmm. that have turned you, that have changed you, that you feel you are now cut off from your family. Yeah. The, the, and they were, these, they
0: were runaways beforehand,
1: They were too. runaways beforehand, yeah. and, and they feel that these powers are, are consuming them. The mm-hmm. darkness is consuming Cloak. The light is becoming overpowering and painful for, for Dagger, unless she expels it. Yes, this is bigger-than-life stuff, mm-hmm. and... They're out there fighting crime. Yeah. But th- this does happen. This does happen when you are given these types of powers and, mm-hmm. you know, you do the best you can. You expel the light. You you know, you use the light to control the darkness. You find how you can use those powers to move forward, mm-hmm. to, to go on to other things. I mean... Part of the thing that they discovered with Cloak's powers is that they're able to use it as a teleportation method yeah. that you know Dagger can go in, you know, from this from the roof where they're seeing these drug dealers down below. They can dive into the cloak and come out into the science corner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> twice. Twice. You twice. Got me twice. twice. I just I'm I'm sitting here and I'm nodding along and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick's yeah, Rick's yeah. got a good point. Rick is Rick is just just, just yeah <laughs> just full. Pulled- yeah. Fold the rug out from under me.
1: Science Corner. Hey, Cloak and Dagger brought us here. What can I do? Yeah. I just follow along where the story takes me. So we're in Science Corner now, and this is where Dr. Cowboy Science explains stuff. Alright. Well, uh let's see. They've been, there've
0: been there have been a lot of robots. Robits. Robots. Robits. Uh, robots in these three issues. So Dragon Man, living you know, the first living robot, the monster menagerie, mayhem, yeah, you know, whatever the squad is called. Monsters. Monsters. Yeah. Uh or menagerie. Whatever. Whatever we like to call them. Something with a name. Yeah. So, robots. So, robots are a big thing. Dragon Man is the first living robotic dragon. Let's talk about some robot firsts. The first known robot was created around 400 to 350 BC by the mathematician Archytas and was an artificial bird. Archytas, who is known as the father of mechanical engineering, constructed his bird out of wood and used steam to power the movements of the robot. The term robot was first used in 1921 in Carl Kapik's play R.U.R., which stands for Rossum's Universal Robots, long before any metal mechanizations were written invented. The first commercial, digital, and programmable robot was built by George Duvall in 1954 and was a robotic arm named the Unimate. It was sold to General Motors in 1961, where it was used to lift pieces of hot metal from die-casting machines at the Inland Fisher Guide Plant in New Jersey. The first country to grant citizenship to a robot was Saudi Arabia. The robot, Sophia, is a humanoid created by the Hong Kong-based Hanson Robotics for the purpose of aiding seniors and visitors to parks. (laughs) So there's a little bit of uh, robot firsts. Cool. Mm -hmm. There's (laughs) lots of stuff out there to learn.
1: There is lots of stuff out there to learn.
0: And it's crazy when you start going, hey, I want to look at this thing. And then you start going down rabbit holes.
1: Big, giant rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of robots, do you have any kind of thoughts on Professor Gilbert and the... Hall of Presidents? I
0: actually do. I'm thinking that... Oh, dear God. I was <laughs> kidding. <laughs> no, I do.
1: Uh,
0: I think he would get in there, and I think he'd be like, yeah, presidents are cool. Yeah, humans are neat. But you know what's neater? D&D monsters, fantasy creatures. I And uh, so I think that he would start taking the presidents and going, what kind of fantasy creature could I make off them? And I think he would base it off their middle initials. So,
1: Hang on. Uh-huh. <clears throat> okay, hit me.
0: Okay, so uh, I think James K. Polk would be a kobold. So it'd be James Kobold Polk. <laughs> You could have Warren Gargoyle Harding and uh, Lyndon Beholder Johnson. I've got some others written down, but those are my favorites. Um,
1: I'm going to go ahead and just hit you with something right now. Okay. In our hypothetical universe, Professor Gilbert has successfully made these modifications in the hall of Press. Okay. <laughs> unbeknownst to everyone else and he's mm-hmm. made it so that these these modifications are kind of part of the costume so that they they look like the regular presidents. Alright. But they actually come to life later in the night when the park is closed.
0: Oh, okay it'd be a
1: night at the museum thing. I was actually thinking bad night for dad. <laughs> 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 you got to bring Stan back into it, bad yeah. night for night for Night Watchman Stan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> bad night for Night Watchman Part Three. So
1: you see, Stan, poor Stan, has had enough of East Coast. <laughs> He's done with it. His wife has left him because uh, he has become nervous as anything. And he's just, I'm done with it. I'm leaving it. I am heading to California. So he gets to California and he lands himself a sweet gig as being part of the night crew at Disneyland. So he's at Disneyland Park just making rounds at night. The only thing there that he's got to deal with are all the cats that are at Disneyland. You know that there's cats at Disneyland, right? Uh, Yeah, I think I did a little bit. Yeah, there's cats at Disneyland. You don't see them during the day. They're they're At night, they run around and they get all the mice. Kind mm. of okay, cool. So he's walking around. Uh, nothing to worry about. Uh-oh. He gets a call. There's something strange going on at the Hall of Presidents. <laughs> needless to say, needless to say, Stan decides that he's had enough of West Coast. <laughs> Where will Stan next, end up next?
0: We don't know. <laughs> we'll fi- Hopefully find out in later issues.
1: And on that note... <laughs> oh, Stan. <sighs> Final thoughts. Let's talk about the refrigerator gallery. What piece of artwork in this book, needs to be put up on the family refrigerator. Do you want to do your backup first? Uh, Well, actually, I've got a a joke one first. Please. Okay,
0: so uh, page 18 through 19. 18 through 19. Mm -hmm. I'm here okay excellent uh i call this one goal and it's because anytime that they show cockatrice he's got his arms locked up in the air it's like he's listening to his favorite you know it's like he's listening to the footy and uh his team just scored and so he's going around just every every like every it's like six pictures of him and it's just like people are talking and doing stuff and he's
1: all yes we scored arms up just woo I'm I'm trying to go back and see if there's something that happens somewhere. It is when
0: uh, Professor Gilbert gets the controller and he stops them. And he just uh, cockatrice, stops. cockatrice was in a. He was about to smash a goon, and his arms were up. And basically, he's locked in place. And they keep on kind of like <laughs> rotating around him with the camera to uh, you know do everybody's dialogue and show what's going on. And but he's just there with his arms locked. But it just looks like he's walking around, you, just excited as all get out about something. He's just
1: yes. You know, I totally missed. That, that is actually quite awesome that they it's cut it's fantastic continuity that you can see on each one of yeah. the panels that it continues on that's yeah, it's fantastic. two pages of it and i'm just
0: like this little background thing is amazing good <laughs>
1: job i like that so
0: that that's that's my joke one i like that because it's two pages worth of stuff but it made me laugh
1: well since we're around in this area i'm going to tell you about my backup one and okay. i'm going to go ahead and say this is uh page 20 and mm-hmm. i call this Katie star oh this is my number one. Oh, it's your number one yeah. all right i'll We'll, let, we'll talk about when we get to your number one, then. Let okay. me hear your backup one.
0: My backup is on page three. Page three. I talked about <laughs> it at the beginning of the episode. It is uh, Dragon Man. I call it... Yeah! <laughs> it's a dragon man reeling back abs just flexed out mouth open it's got the the sonic controller ease going but it's just like he's just belting out the opening of a power ballad from the 80s it is he's just it's the opening of the immigrant song right there and he's using katie uh julie as a mic and it just cracks me up
1: i i I love it (laughs) i absolutely love it
0: so (laughs) Um, number one is your backup Uh, yes on page 20 and i call it dancing queen
1: because she's a dancing queen.
0: Yep. Yeah. She ain't 17. Yes. She's five. It is Katie doing her pirouette in front of the family on the
1: rooftop. And it's all three kids. Except four. Well, it's all three oh. All three older kids. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Standing around her. There's no dialogue. <laughs> They're standing around her, and she is pirouetting to her heart's content. She's so happy. Pigtails flying out beside her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually screen captured this. Uh, oh, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I screen I captured on this on and and, and and put this out on on Twitter when uh, I heard that uh, Louis Simonson on J. Miles Explained the X Men found out about our podcast mm-hmm. and was excited about it. Yeah, I I put that out because that was me at that time. Because that's how
0: you felt. <laughs> oh yeah. yes, it's a, a giddy moment.
1: I, I'm gonna go from your happy one okay. to my yeah one. And this is back on page 17 and it's cloak. It's the second panel oh, yeah. down on the page. And I call this oh, that one, is a good one, yeah. Cloak Unleashed. And it's the background is all white, and you just see cloak. His cloak is taking up the entire panel. It's just taking up an entire city block. The tendrils of it have wrapped around different goons, and he is about to toss them all inside. And Dagger's standing in front trying to tell him to stop. It's just fantastic. It's wonderful. I love that one. No, that is a really good one. That looks great. And like all of these, we will put all of these ones that we've talked about and a couple other ones, we'll put them all up on our website. So please check us out at jeffandrickpresent.wordpress.com to see these pictures. Let us move on to rubber and glue moment. What was the best or most childish insult? Jeff. All right. I've got two. I've got my backup. Sure.
0: And that is on page eleven. And surprise, surprise, it's Jack.
1: Ah, Jack, Jack, Jack! What are you saying now, you dirty little boy?
0: Well, this is a scene where uh, they've been locked in the vault. They've got, uh, you know, they're making the the Sonic controller blocker for Dragon Man. I'm sorry, baby. Mm. And uh, they just finished it up, and they're like, "Oh, it's a rough job, but it, you know, it ought to work." And Jack's all just looking bored as all get out, yawning on a table, kind of going, "Ho hum, it's about time." <laughs> And, and Alex, is, more, Alex is there like, what are you talking about? This has been amazing. It was super fast.
1: It, it's, it's not really an insult. It's more of just heavy snark.
0: Yeah, it is, yeah, it is typical Jack just mm. being like, oh, I hear that you really like, I don't know, uh, circuses. You know, it's dumb. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, Whatever you're doing is stupid is basically Jack's default setting.
1: Well, I, for my backup one, I've got more of a Julie speaking truth to power. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's on page three. This is where our villain of the piece, D'Angelo, is monologuing, mm. and Julia's had enough, and and uh, she makes it make it. Let her go, you crook! She can't breathe. So yeah, it's calling D'Angelo a crook. Yeah, I know it's just, it's not really an insult. More of it's true, but yeah. I just like the fact that you know she is she's speaking up. There weren't any real direct. Burns. Oh, yes, there were. Oh, okay. Oh, yes,
0: there were. Do you have a top one? I do have a top one. What's your top one? Uh, My top one is page 13. Yep. And it is Jack. Yep. Because it has to be Jack to say
1: anything mean to people. It's actually Jack with two. Jack with two? Two of them. Oh, I see where you're going with <laughs> that. Okay. <coughs> so I'm- setting it up, we have Katie saying,
2: I can disintegrate stuff. Watch. Dagger, are you watching me?
1: And when she gets done burning a hole into the door, she says she's done. She's full up with power. And Jack says, Hold it, you dope. There might be somebody out
0: there. And then that, so that's Rick's number one. And my number one is an immediate follow-up line that he says, Mm -hmm. which is, Nope, the coast is clear. That idiot D'Angelo didn't
1: even leave guards. What a maroon. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Actually, we got three of them there now that I think about it, because we got maroon. Yep. (laughs) Yep, yep. Well, it's a,
0: uh, idiot an yeah, I- ongoing insult to uh, D'Angelo.
1: Because it's Jack. It's Jack time. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to stars in detention. I identify the child who was the best and the worst in the issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for best, <laughs> sure. I have Katie. I have Katie as well. Hey! hey! It's unanimous. So... I think that Katie gets it because she is the first to try to convince Dagger to help D'Angelo.
0: Yep, she's also continually convincing, trying to convince her that she's not a monster. She's pretty, yeah, so she can't be a monster. Yeah, it's uh, marginalizing. What what she's she's saying is basically saying that you're not a monster. You you have more going for you than that. So yeah,
1: I think I think her trying to really install into Dagger, hey, you guys are good. Yeah, I I think that that's big.
0: Yeah, we believe in you. You guys Mm -hmm. aren't monsters. You guys are actually heroes and good guys and she also gets them out of the vault although Dragon Man could have busted them out too but you know yeah she wanted to show off oh that was just oh that was just so adorable constantly with dagger she's just like dagger dagger look look dagger watch me dagger look look she was that was just awesome because it's like that is super a kid
1: i'm gonna tell you exactly what's gonna happen in about two or three years time Uh two or three years time when your daughter really starts to be able to communicate and move around on her Mm -hmm. own and my daughter is gonna be two or three years older your daughter is gonna be like oh look an older girl my yeah. hero yeah, yeah. yes it's yeah. it's all we've yeah. seen that with my daughter she just loves the older girls she wants to be with them she wants mm-hmm. to impress them
0: yeah she's gonna be following Carrie around yeah. and just like
1: Carrie, Carrie, look look
0: just like katie yeah. was with dagger yeah.
1: So, yeah so the worst uh my buddy jack my buddy jack too yeah he's yep. a
0: curmudgeonly little groblin. and you, he... you know
1: what it's not even that i think it's just because he I, I gotta say that he's the worst because he almost killed somebody yeah yeah, pretty much.
0: Uh he didn't the only other thing that he did was he went out of a basically an open door and said, Nobody's out here. But
1: you <laughs> know what though? It was smart though. He was he was, was really yeah. smart on making sure that there was nobody out there. I no, mean, that was good. He was but... he was a smart thingy guy, and he was also very smart for, you know, checking to make sure that D'Angelo was okay. But mm-hmm. still, yeah. it was a close call. It was a close call. And so was, unfortunately that... That, that was the that's a big thing. Total though. decider, yeah. He was
0: he's in detention. Yes, For attempted murder, which is, if you only have detention for that, there is
1: really something wrong with our criminal system. <laughs> now, I do have to say, though, I, I mean, I'm surprised that we didn't choose Alex, because our next topic is G-Force, and Alex mm-hmm. has failed us this
0: issue. Alex really failed us. Uh, you'll notice that there was no, you know, no, no this noise. We've been drinking, but... There's been no force drinking because we pulled zero G's in this ep- in this episode, an issue. So uh, let's see. Scientific equivalent of zero. Do you know where we can find zero G's, Rick? No, Jeff. Where can we find zero G's? This issue. I just told you there were no G's in it.
1: You know? <laughs> I almost got a spit so, take out of you. So close for a spit take. <laughs> I was so gonna very just be close. Ruined
0: electronics <laughs> and ruined 34 year old comic books. Um. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, zero G's that is going to drop our g average to 2.75 so we are off the high g roller coaster
1: <makes noise>
0: but we are still in the amusement park so Yay! yeah we're on the uh, graviton ride the uh, spinny stick to wally ride you know the barrel the spinning barrel where you the, get the one to go where,
1: like your, your your feet start to leave the yeah. floor yeah you're on the you're,
0: padded wall yeah. and it spins and it's
1: i like padded balls
0: yeah well we spent some time in them <laughs> And our total (laughs) G-Force for uh, the count. We're up to episode eight, and we have Stuck at 22, which is double jet fighter. (laughs) Yeah, Top Gun 2.
1: That was a horrible noise of a jet.
0: It's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Top Gun Two, Electric Boogaloo, Ooh, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs>
1: okay, Gaseous um, Escape. We, we need to move on because yeah. G Force just disappointed us. Yeah, there, it was. Yeah. moving on. Top grades. We want to evaluate each issue against the rest of the series. Now we're not going to. We're starting to get to the point where we're not going to list each and every single issue. Mm-hmm. You can always go to our website, and we've got it listed there with all of the issues and all of our choices with best and worst kid and how we rate the beers. And, and you can um, see a
0: picture of what the beer looks like and a picture of what the issue looks like, yeah. and get a little synopsis of the episode. And you can and
1: leave us, you know, information. Tell us how much you like us. We we appreciate that. We yep. we, we need our ego stroked. We do. We do. We do. But we have the list in front of us and we have a very um, very tough question to ask. Actually, I think it's pretty easy and I I'm, I'm going to guess that we both agree the same way okay. on this one. I we need to try to figure out where this issue fits mm-hmm. in the entire list. I'm going to I'll go ahead and go first yeah. of this arc. I, I think th- this is the best one. I agree. And so I would I think that we keep these ones together. Mm-hmm. I still think that as a whole this arc it's not the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think that there was some better stuff that was happening in Butterfinger. Okay. And so I'm just going to go ahead and put this right above last issue, Man and Dragon Man, issue number uh, seven. So
0: Yep. So the new sixth place is issue number eight.
1: Yep. It dethr-
0: yep. It dethroned issue number six. So it is in, yeah, like I said, sixth place. Yep. All right. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now,
1: let's talk about this beer.
0: Okay. This barley wine beer.
1: This is... I'm actually kind of glad that we only got one bottle of it.
0: Yeah, so uh, on this beer, it said that uh, this beast may only be conquered through strength, valor, and perhaps the assistance of a friend. Well, we have one of them, and there's two of us here. And uh, yeah, it took two of us to not finish this bomber up. It will be finished later, but yeah, we're not drinking them really hard or really fast.
1: It's a strong beer. It's definitely a sipping beer.
0: The the taste of it, it just, it like wraps around your tongue and then won't go away. It,
1: it is It is the perfect beer if you do not want to talk. Mm -hmm. Which is exactly the type of beer that we wanted to choose (laughs) on a podcast while we're podcasting. Yeah.
0: What's funny though is uh, every time Mm -hmm. one of us takes a sip, it's like you look at the other person and it's kind of like it's like you have a sip and it's like uh and then you watch their face kind (laughs) of (laughs) go.
1: All of that being said, Mm -hmm. how many power balls do you want to give this?
0: I feel like I'm, I'm going to be mean, but
1: I also kind of feel accurate. It's not bad, but I'm not. It's not one I'd go back to. So no. I give it like a two. I, that is exactly what I was thinking too. I was, it's a good beer. Glad I had it, but yeah, it's it's not one I I'd, I'd look out it again. It's it's a hard one to get through. I, I'm I'm agreeing with you on the two.
0: Nope. Yep. Yeah. All right. So two Powerballs from two guys podcasting.
1: I still like Gilgamesh Brewing, and they make some very good beers, but this one, I'm, it's going to be a two. Let's do Kit's Perspective. Okay, this is where we ask a question
0: or premise of the book to Rick's seven-year-old daughter, and we get her opinion on it. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hi, Carrie. I get to interview you this time. Is that fun?
2: Yes, I just walked in here and I am am still confused because you are interviewing me instead of my father.
0: I know, I don't know where he is, except he's right there. (laughs) But I get to have the pleasure of interviewing you this time, which is a lot of fun for me. I'm excited.
2: Me too, even though I'm confused. Okay,
0: (laughs) we all get to be confused in our lives. It's a common state.
2: And also the common power (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh-huh, yep, it's common for the powers to be confused because there's a lot going on.
2: Okay, let's just get to the power path.
0: Okay, oh so what did you think of this issue? Good. What did you like about it?
2: Dagger and Cloak were actually became part of their team.
0: Mm-hmm, and so you were glad that they were able to team up and uh, do stuff together? And did you like it that they freed Dragon Man and Professor Gilbert? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So what was what was the part that you liked the best in the issue?
2: I like Cloak and Dagger because Cloak can probably, like, like make bad people do stuff. <laughs> okay, whatever.
0: Yeah, he can make them uh, go away for yeah. a while, and then he brings them back and they feel really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you like to have Cloak's powers or Dagger's powers?
2: I would like to have Katie's powers. You
0: want to have Katie's powers. Yeah, Katie's awesome.
2: You could disintegrate stuff.
0: Yeah? What would you disintegrate if you could disintegrate things?
2: I- with disintegrate people that were gonna that were gonna attack me.
0: Wow. Okay.
2: Which are <coughs> technically strangers.
0: So strangers might attack you, just not not people you know, just strangers. Yeah.
2: You could just do this, and then you would punch, punch, punch. But you would be punching with your palm, just so you could like use that thing.
0: So you'd use disintegrating palm strikes. Yes. To uh, strangers that were attacking you. Yes. So you would like to have Katie's powers, but you enjoyed the fact that uh, Cloak and Dagger was able to team up with Power Pack.
2: hmm
0: Would you like to see Power Pack team up with other heroes in the Marvel Universe?
2: Everybody doesn't have powers.
0: That's true. Not everybody does. Professor Gilbert didn't have powers.
2: Yeah, but he still teamed up with them.
0: Yeah, I know. He did. So does that mean that uh, regular people could team up with Power Pack? Yep. Would you want to team up with Power Pack?
2: If I could do something really awesome, yeah.
0: Okay. What kind of an adventure with Power Pack would you like to have?
2: The one with the aliens.
0: Oh, so you would like to team up? Like
2: from the last comic?
0: So the snarks or the chameleons?
2: Um, The lizard
0: guys or the horsey guys?
2: Why the horsey guys?
0: Well, you would be able to, like, maybe you could team up and uh, have an adventure with them, too. And they could take you into space and show you different planets. Yep. yep.
2: Not the evil Snarks guys, because then I could kill them.
0: Okay. So you would use your adopted Katie's disintegration Krav Maga powers, and you would uh, get rid of Snarks. Yes. <laughs> Are you hoping that the Snarks come back in the comic? Yes. Yes. Are they? I don't know. We're not there yet. But I'm thinking that they will come back, but uh, we haven't seen them yet for a little while. We're in the middle of a different adventure. <laughs>
2: What kind of power do you want?
0: Oh, you know what? I actually was thinking about talking to your dad about this in another uh, in another episode. But I'm kind of leaning towards uh, Mass Master's powers. I think they're pretty neat.
2: What about Daddy?
0: Daddy, I think he wants Alex's power to say G all the time and to be able to get away with it.
2: You can get away with it with beer.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's the power he wants. He wants to be able to say G and then take a drink. Thank you, Carrie. This was really fun interviewing you.
2: Um, you're welcome. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure your dad will come
1: back next week to interview you.
2: Okay.
0: Okay, that'll be good. Okay, thank Bye. you. Bye!
1: Bye! Let's go ahead and do some shout-outs. I love the fact that we added shoutouts because we're starting to get more and more people that are listening. Yeah, it's which means the section Yeah, it just means the section's
0: going to get longer and longer padding our runtime. Yeah. Hey, we can do actual we can do less actual content and just say people's names. <laughs> That's what this yeah. podcast is going to be. By episode 10 it's just going to be like, "Hey,
1: we read a comic, but now a shout out to" <laughs> I would like to start off with a shout out to you from one of our friends, Wine Guy Todd. What? Really? Yes, he sent me. Hey, cool. he, he sent me a text and he wanted me to tell Jeff that he finds you witty and intelligent. Oh, uh, he
0: well, he he's actually met me. He should know better by now.
1: Well, since this is an audio format, uh, he did not he did not comment on your smell or looks, but there you have it. <laughs> they are both strong, and that's not exactly a compliment. <laughs> Oh, well, that's really cool.
0: Thanks, wine guy. Appreciate it, buddy. That's cool. We received a nice email from Al Sedona, who is the host of Resurrections in Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. He says that we can see that we love the series, but that we look at it with a critical eye, and that that is a good thing. One of his first comics was Power Pack, and that got him into comics on a regular basis. He was a big reader, and his first comic book crush was Julie, in part because they were the same age. He never noticed the Narnia connection before, but now that we mentioned it, he can see
1: it. A big thank you to Sassy's Sassiest Boy who let me know via Twitter that our second episode link was not working and that they really wanted a full experience. Thanks for letting me know that we had an issue. We got that resolved.
0: From Todd Enoch, I am totally here for the new Jeff randomly and repeatedly breaks into
1: song section of the podcast. Hey, that's funny. That's why I'm here too. (laughs) And a very special thank you to our local geocaching community that have probably downloaded this episode just to hear me give the solution to a puzzle. You see... We hit a geocache. That's a puzzle cache to be exact. And we hit the clue for solving the puzzle right here on our podcast because we could. That's right. I made a bunch of people listen to us ramble about comics just so they can find a box I have hidden in the woods. If this sounds bonkers to you, welcome to geocaching. If you go to geocaching.com and search for the geocache with the code GC7QVZN, once again, that's gc 7 Quebec Victor zulu november you will see a cache called pump up the volume and if you want to find the cache you will need to enter the following code into the checker on the page what code you ask well in honor of the best child of today's episode i'm gonna say that the code is energizer Hmm. yeah yeah she was the best kid she was the best kid so put in energizer and you'll be able to get the coordinates for the cache (laughs) cool all
0: right Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at JeffRickPresent, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick present our email address, Jeff and Rick present all one word at gmail.com or at our website, Jeff
1: and dot com. Please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. Please, we want to hear from you. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our life my wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie,
0: my fiancee, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you
1: until next week.
0: Costumes, Costumes off. off! Oh, hey, you know, I was looking on our uh, Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, we got a new follower. Oh, yeah? Who's that? Louis Simonson. What?
1: Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode, our 8-bit Dungeon Boss. All music is by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Imagination! Imagination! <laughs> Let's never do that again. Which is that she is his light, and though without the light to hold back the darkness within him... Within him? (coughs) would be pleased. To be fair, the symbiotic relationship Cloak and Dagger have means that... (coughs) Hi, honey, it's okay, it was Daddy making funny. And that he resigned to take a job at Disneyland as a robot designer. As, as a robot, as I a robot iron, designer, robot as a robot. Too, a robot, that Disneyland was a robot designer. Try and designer. pass the Turing
0: test, Rick. Bot one thousand. I dream of electric sheep.